Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Matt Croger. And I'm rough enough and, and Matt, I am super excited. My favorite son <laughs> and I get to do an episode together. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a long time coming. Son. That's right. Uh, together again. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's been a long time coming and obviously time zones are what they are. It's sometimes problematic to try to figure out Australia to central US time. It's it's not always the easiest. But we found a subject where there's some overlap. The rest of the countercharge folks hate Vanguard. So <laughs> <laughs> and we've been planning this for a while. It's just relied on me uh getting enough games in. Exactly. Talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what have you been doing hobby-wise lately? Um, so hobby-wise, we started up the – well, I'll talk about it, that a bit more shortly about the, uh, the counter-charge challenge. Um, but I've fully completed my unit of spears except for basing for my base aliens with the Dragon Empire from Titanforge. And currently I'm working on about eight Oni, um, Ogre-style um, things from the same range that will go and make a couple of hordes of, of palace guards. And I also had a whole bunch of resin terrain 3D printed. Well, not terrain, but mostly stuff for multi-basing, including trees, bamboo, some buildings and things like that that I'll be able to use to, to base them up. What have you been up to? Uh, mostly buying stuff that I don't need. <laughs> Our store has had some incredible sales. And uh, I did say, you know, I, I did purchase a big Rebel fleet for Star Wars Armada. Good news there, it's all pre-painted, so not going to be a hobby commitment there. But I am uh, preparing to go to a GT at the end of January, COVID notwithstanding, you know, it could change. And it's a 1995, so I've pulled a half minute out and I need to finish a few bits and bobs. It's, it's called King of Monsters, and you have to bring a... Um, there's several to pick from, but you essentially have to bring a Godzilla-sized monster, right? Uh, and so I've chosen Rodin because he's a flyer, and I think he augments my Kingdoms of Men list pretty well. So I've got to figure out, you know, what am I going to buy a Rodin model? Am I going to, what am I going to use to in that army to to showcase Rodin and his great flying, terrifying shooting attack? So um, I've got to do that. But uh, we've seen pictures of your cave, Rob. Surely there is something in there. You would think, right? You would think. And, and, and I thought, like, well, maybe, surely I could do, like, um, you know, I, I maybe take a, a Phoenix or something. Like, because I have flying Mantic models. But, you know, the Kingdoms of Men is all Westphalia miniatures. So I'm not beholden to anyone. You know, I'm really, like, and there's some Atlantis miniatures in there. So I'm like, what could I use? The thing is, I don't mind building a custom Rodin model. I, I like to have it useful for the <laughs> for something else down the road and like I, I can't come up with something what else is in the kingdoms of men list is on a titan base giants yeah true and i've got two giants so i, I you know i'm struggling a little bit maybe you just need to stick some wings on a giant maybe i have a yeti maybe a, really a flying a, a flying yeti could be like a really really big you know w- wizard of oz the flying monkeys <laughs> but now i got flying yetis i could i could see that yeah that yeah. could work it could work. Well, yeah, so that's that's me for, for hobby. I'm just trying to get a few things finished up. Announcements, though. You've got some big things to, to share. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, um, I'll be running Clash of Clings Australia in January. Well, this month now. We're in the new year, 23rd and 24th of January. So 
thankfully, well, until very recently, things have been under control enough in Australia that we could go ahead with a 50-person event, and that was sold out. Although we've just had a little bit of a COVID spike here in a couple of the states, so we're waiting to see how that pans out. So we may end up getting a significant drop in numbers, unfortunately. Um, but it's going to be nice to be able to run a, a two-day event. Um, so hopefully, you know, if we get some drops, we might get some people take up those those tickets. We're in a very safe state where I am. But the the problem is, is that we're in the middle of everyone else, so people have to travel through some of the COVID hotspots. And uh, in Australia, various states have been very protective of their own. So as soon as one state tends to to get a spike, then the other states close all their borders to it. Um, The the other announcement is we have started our countercharge six-week New Year Resolution Hobby Challenge. It's not too late to join. Uh, So all you have to do for that is there's a post on the countercharge Facebook page where you talk about what your six-week hobby resolution is, what you might want to achieve in the next six weeks hobby-wise. Nothing's too big, nothing's too small. I've just said I want to do at least one hoard of my palace guard. Um, And then there's going to be prizes for one, for anyone that participates and posts in the weekly post every week on what their hobby progress has been. And then a separate prize for those that also achieve their, their resolution goal. Um, so we're we're gonna we've got Mr. Zelinsky sponsoring one, and then I'll I'll do the other. I'm gonna try to get my armada, my Mantic uh, Basilean armada fleet painted. We'll see. You know the ships actually paint up pretty easily. So and by the way, I wanted to ben- I wanted to ask you how did uh, are your ships assembled yet? No, no they're not. I've uh, I've actually uh, over I've had about two weeks off, but I've been crook the whole time, so I haven't been able to go and uh, take them to my mate's son, who's going to tidy them up for me. That's awesome. So, uh, so they're still sitting in my hobby room, unfortunately. Ironically, maybe the dwarfs will be out by the time you even have your fleet ready to go. That is true, and they're up for pre-order now, so I will definitely be jumping on that bandwagon, and I'm also going to be buying some more Vanguard stuff. We've been we've been talking about this a really long time, you know. I have been playing a ton of Vanguard, and you more recently have been getting into Vanguard, and something you know we've you know it's kind of been on the periphery for us for a while. I mean, we're Kings of War players, but obviously there's a lot of overlap uh, to to the to the setting and to the model range. I think it's high time, you know, we, we have an earnest discussion about Vanguard. Before we get there, I think we need to preface it with, you know, we're Kings of War players. This is a discussion about a rule set for Vanguard, but the backdrop that we're comparing it to is is Kings of War. It's probably to the detriment of Vanguard, right? Because if, if we go in and the hypothesis is that Kings of War is amazing, streamlined, mass combat, awesome game, well... Vanguard is almost the antithesis of that, right? It's much more complex. It's a skirmish game. It's 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 not Kings of War. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. I think we we've got to be aware of the context and the lens that we're looking at through at it through. Um, I, I don't think with a rule set as streamlined for a rank and flank game as Kings of War, I don't think you can translate that into a skirmish game. Sure, it could probably be a little simpler than what it is. But I don't think we should be expecting the same thing of Vanguard that we expect of Kings of War. And I, I think that's just a really important point to make. Yeah, and I think the other piece that I did, that I failed to mention is, you know, in my mind, Vanguard is a much more narrative game. And you've got Kings of War, which is which it can be narrative, but let's be honest, it, it's a competitive rule set. There's some mutually exclusiveness between those two things, right? Absolutely. And I don't think we sh- should be looking for the balance. I don't, I don't think it's just... 
this as opposed to Kings of War is not designed as a tournament game. And I personally wouldn't play it at a tournament unless there was some sort of like, unless it was a one game with some sensational hook or just the night before or something. I think we've got to keep in mind that it, this, it was probably sold as a link into Kings of War, but really it's a completely different game. With that out of the way, maybe let's start with, you know, what's our background? Maybe Matt, give the audience a little bit of a perspective of your experience with Vanguard. Um, So I've only played a, a few games and in terms of, proper background i the only skirmish game i've really besides uh age of sigma when it first dropped i the only skirmish game i really have any experience of is lord of the rings uh, which i loved but there was a bit too much still a bit too much list hammer and it was a bit too wieldy and it was just a it was just a completely different set of rules that i, I didn't really want to keep going with um even though i i at face value loved the game in terms of Vanguard, I've, I've just played a few games because I've only recently been getting into it. Um, but luckily enough, my local group has some play testers and most of my games have been against one guy in particular who's been really good at teaching me the game and a local RC member. So to date, I've only played Base Aliens and Elves. So I haven't had a broad experience with a lot of the armies, so I haven't had a really good opportunity to to find the ins and outs of the various the various armies. But yeah, that's mine so far. Whereas I think you've got far more, particularly recent experience, because you dabbled, Rob, didn't you, and then came back? Yeah. So when it came out, I was I tried it and was like, eh, not really for me. And I don't think I, you know, it's like a lot of games, right? You, you try one or two and you go, oh, it's not really what I'm looking for. It's Vanguard, just like many games, you've got to really play several games to really get a full grasp of what you've got. There's much more there than what's at surface, you know, the at face value. So for me, I think coming out of lockdown at some point over the summer here locally, you know, we kind of came back to the store and we started playing in the store again and... Um, I think there was two kind of groups that kind of came together. We had some Kings of War players who, you know, to be honest with you, kind of were like, eh, we're looking for something different, something that's not Kings of War, right? Like we had been playing, you know, a lot of the guys have been playing on UB and it just, they were ready to try something else out. And then there was another group who had never played a Mantic game before. But in our local scene, you know, we have a ton of these guys that play a crap ton of uh, skirmish games. Infinity, Malifaux, Marvel, uh, Crisis Protocol, and, and I should say when I when I mean skirmish game for me, yes, it's individually individual models, but really I'm talking about you know um, not army scale, right? When I say skirmish, I, I I know like Legion technically is a skirmish game because you got individual models, but like there's 40 dudes on the table. In my mind, a skirmish game is usually like up to 20 guys. That group of Infinity players wanted to scratch the fantasy itch and so our local store ran some deals a whole bunch of people bought some armies and and for a while there i was playing five or six games a week so i probably have i don't know 40 to 50 games under my belt typically you know we were really getting a lot of mileage just from the main rule book in terms of factions uh i started with dwarves and was playing dwarves and then we had another player come and said hey i want to play dwarves as a pathfinder i kind of took the uh approach that okay if you're gonna play dwarves let me play something else and uh, we'll get to this. This is a positive of Vanguard. I said, well, what am I never going to play in Kings of War? Trident Realms. I grabbed, you know, Trident Realms because, I mean, hard to think of another race that's that plays that much different than than Dwarves. So Trident Realms, I probably, you know, 30 games, 35 games with them. Um, I do have, you know, five or six games with Dwarves. And more recently, I've been getting into Kingdoms of Men. That's kind of my experience. I think that gives folks a little bit of a background of where we're coming at it from a perspective. 
Yeah, what we'll do is run through what we see to be the the positives of Vanguard first, uh, which is a nice, reasonably long list. So first of all, I think it's a it's a good intro into the world of Panathol. So while they're completely different games set in the same they're set in the same world, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get into it originally. And I think they've done a good job of introducing the various races, factions, and some of the heroes. And they still have the flavour of the individual armies there. So you know your Abyssals still have access to your your Succubi have their stealthy and things like that. And your elves, you know, are, well, they're probably better archers than they are in Kings of War, let's be honest. Shout out to Keith. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's a really good introduction for getting that flavour of the world and and through that developing a bit of narrative and story uh, to to your Kings of War or your Panathor experience in, in general. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I think they do a really good job of, you know, the races feel like they should. You know, like the Triton Realms, for example, it, it feels right. For a game that's so good at, you know, that's that, that I think is really good at narrative gaming, you know, that narrative cinematic flair, it's important that, that the setting feels right. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with that. You you want everything. You don't want it to be cookie cutter between the armies, which has been an argument against Kings of War, right? Uh, that that everything feels a little bit the same. I, I so far have not got that feeling in Vanguard. Yeah, I mean, there's a quote from a famous game designer who did uh, Cosmic Encounter, and I, th- I think it's something like balances for weenies, right? Like his point is that not all games have to be balanced. Um, if you're going for a story, if you're trying to be narrative, you're trying to make a cinematic experience, and it's not about you know symmetric <laughs> competitive play, you don't have to have balance, and you can have. Um, you know, you can give people different experiences depending on absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and I and, yeah. and I and I think that's one of the areas that you know depends on what side of the fence you're on, right? Whether you think that's a positive or a negative. I think for me, it, it is a positive. We talk, we're talking about narrative gaming. I mean, it's hard to not bring up the exploding eight mechanic, right? Because like that is just the craziest mechanic ever. Um, it really gives that cinematic feel because you send that dude in there and he throws an eight and he throws another eight and he throws another eight. You're just like, wow. You mentioned this a few times. That is one of the rules that really makes me feel like Lord of the Rings, like Aragorn at Helm's Deep coming down, just killing orcs because he's throwing all those eights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic mechanic, and 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 you're right. It does unbalance it slightly from a mechanic point of view. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, we'll talk about mechanics a little bit later. But you use d8s in Vanguard, and when you roll an eight, basically you get to re-roll another dice and and keep going. Um, and that's the exploding eights mechanic. So you can, you know, end up with in theory you could have started with four attacks and theoretically have seven or eight by the, by the time you finished rolling eights, uh, which happened to me yesterday. And it just, you know, it'll happen back to you as well. So it's, it's, it just, it, it feels cool. No, it's not, I was just for offense. It's on defense too. Absolutely. We were talking about like that. It's a good intro to the world of Panther. You know, they have all the factions, right? They're all, they all have lists. They got everything out there to get the game going. And then over time they've been building, you know, I'm air quoting here, the official Mantic armies, right? But those, those are getting the, the, the Mantic treatment. So they're getting new war bands. You know, for those who don't know, basically you have a starter box and you have a booster box. Most stores like 35 bucks USD. And then the booster box is probably 
somewhere around 35, 40 bucks. Just buy the starter box. You're, you're into the game. And I don't know, Matt, 12 factions so far have starter boxes. I'm trying to think exactly how many have them. Yeah. And maybe it would have been better off just to stick to that. Like it was probably a good opportunity to have a really good game or have a good game that needs some work, you know, stick to to a bunch of factions and really push selling those models because the stuff they're bringing out for Vanguard is fantastic. So in terms of the models, like it, I, I think potent, it, I think there's an argument that they've gone too many factions. And maybe the argument is that, you know, you've got too many factions that they're not going to build models for. I hate to say this, but how much effort is Mantic going to put into you know, a kingdoms of men list, right? <laughs> like, I mean, they're not, they're not selling the models. And so obviously their attention is going to be on the, mo- you know, the, the war bands that they sell models for. At some point they may come to the conclusion that, hey, you put all these factions out there to get people into the game. At some point for the betterment of the game, you may have to scale it back. You mentioned the models. I mean, that's another huge, huge advantage of Vanguard, obviously, is that they're probably some of the best Mantic sculpts, period. I say that I'm not a huge fan of metal, and there is there is a fair amount of metal still in, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my Trident Realms. When I pick up that Trident Realm case, man, like, oh, God, all that metal. You know, they're starting a lot of their new models for Vanguard, aren't they? And uh, like you say, it's some of their best sculpts. And you see the Kings of War players crying out for when are we going to be able to get this in a, you know, in a bigger box. So I think that's that really speaks to the quality of what they're producing but totally agree uh some of some of the metal stuff is just you know i go back to metal centaurs you know i just i love the model but hate building the metal centaurs so you know the quick the quicker we see more transition to resin the better i think on this this trail of you know positives of vanguard obviously we've got the smaller footprint right rather than a four by six you've got a three by three so it's a play field that you get into you're in the action pretty quick you know, because I mean, some of these dudes are moving, you know, a walk could be five inches and then a run could be 12. Well, if you're only got 36 inches by 36 inches and you've got, let's say, 12 to 15 models out there, you can see that you're going to start interacting with each other pretty quickly. Absolutely. And I, th- I think that's a positive of the smaller footprint. But also, most people have a three by three space at home, right, compared to a six by four. So, you know, like we live in varying size houses and people in apartments and things like that, often you'll be able to find a three by three space and you can throw it down. The whole thing is easy to transport and to set up and to store. You just have less stuff. It's similar in the sense that you've got a you've got models like Kings of War, but you have less of them. You have terrain like Kings of War, but you have less of them. When I go to the, the shop to play Kings of War, I've got terrain, I've got an army, I've got all the, the crazy stuff. For Vanguard, I've got a Table War half-size case. It's got my faction. It's got my, you know, objective scenario tokens there, my various regular, like, activation tokens and all those, the book, all in one case. And I just drop it down. And, uh, yeah, so it's 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 definitely a, a perk of Vanguard is the, uh, the ease of transportation and storage and setup. Absolutely. And I guess moving that way in terms of having less means it can also be a really low-cost investment to get started too, right? Particularly if you already own models. Uh, so you can use your existing models. The rules are, are free for download. Uh, so all you really need to buy, and we have a question about this later, but all, we, all you really need to buy is the specific D8s, the power dice, and you can be good to go. Uh, really, then the, the ceiling for investment is where you want to put it. So if you want to buy more Mantic models, go for it. Sure, that'll push your investment up. But otherwise, it is a very low cost entry. I know this is going to be a contentious thing, but you know, I also, 
you know, I, I put this on the positive list here. I love the cards. I, I think the cards are great because, so for those who don't know, each model that you buy comes with a little card with its stats. I like it because I don't have to use an army builder. <laughs> I have my deck of cards. We're paying 200 points. I know I got to have five grunts in the commander, blah, 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 blah. You just lay the cards out and you just add them up. And then you've got equipment that come on cards and you just lay the cards out and you add it up. I'm a big fan. What are your thoughts on the cards? Look, I, I like the cards. I, I particularly, I'd like to be able to buy proper cards without without the models if I already had the models rather than downloading and putting the effort to make them, you know, look like the originals. Like I like to have the proper stuff. But, but otherwise, uh, cards have grown on me a bit. I didn't used to like cards, but I, I, I like... I like having that in front and that for ease of use. And you can even, if you didn't want tokens cluttering up your board, you could put your tokens in theory on your cards, right? I guess it depends on which faction, because I'm pretty sure I bought a, a card upgrade pack or something for Trident Realms because I didn't. I wanted to have more cards. What I'm saying that obviously, if you're playing Kingdoms of Men, they don't make cards for that, right? Like you have to, you but you can download them from the website and you can print them out and cut them out. But like for the Mantic IP armies that have, that have faction warband starters, you, I, that at one point, at least they had the, the decks you could buy. Mm. I mean, I, honestly, it's something I probably haven't looked closely enough at Rob. So, uh, but I, but I, but I will admit, like, I, I remember I, I had a placoderm model, right? But I'm like, I'm like such a completionist. I have to have the card. So I had to bu- <laughs> so I bought another placoderm model, right? <laughs> to get the card. And I'm like, yeah, I'll use an extra placoderm models at some point, but you know, so there's that. I just love the card because we have a frame that's three by three and it has the rules on it. And on my side of the table, I just lay my cards out. Models die. I just put them on the card. You Like you said, you can track your wounds there. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of the cards. And, you know, getting back to the, to the models, obviously, anything you pretty much buy for Vanguard, you can use in Kings of War, right? I should, we should mention most of these models are they're individually based models. So characters like an Ogre Boomer Sergeant or a Dwarf Lord... Uh, well, then you can buy those and play those in Vanguard, individually based, and then those could just be your characters in Kings of War. That's another thing that, that I do like about Vanguard is that, you, you know, even if you're not going to play Vanguard a ton, you can make a small investment and it kind of serves two purposes, right? It's kind of like historical armies. When you buy a Roman army, it's good for all these different rule sets. Well, and if you decide to put that little bit more effort into the painting of the model, then you've got it for two games, right? Whereas... Sometimes if you were just doing it for one, maybe you'd be like, oh, that'll be good enough to get me to tabletop. But if you're then playing a game that only has 12 models on the table, then you might want them to look a little bit better because they, you're going to look at them a little bit closer up. Totally. Vanguard's a much smaller hobby commitment, which is great. Um, also, for me, I found a couple things. One is you can use it as an opportunity to try out different color schemes because obviously there's less models. Um, and then there's armies you know, that would be daunting to play in Kings of War like any of the Horde armies. Um, yeah. Not too bad in, <laughs> you know, what do you have, maybe 20 goblins, but like, or 20 Rackin, but, you know, Kings of War, 200. Yeah. You know, that, that that's a thing too. And then the final uh, positive that, uh, that we wanted to highlight was, you know, Vanguard is an opportunity to build some different terrain, right? Like, in Kings of War, you've got a lot large area effective pieces like forests, you know, and, and swamps and rivers. Um, and you have some of that, you know, you can certainly use some of that in uh, Vanguard, but Vanguard loves scattered terrain, right? And you can build little ramshackle walls. You can build little uh, stacks of crates. And uh, I have really found that the terrain crate stuff is, is amazing for this. Have you built any terrain yet for Vanguard? 
not specifically, but I totally agree with the the different. It's an opportunity to build different. Like to me, from my games, I wouldn't want a giant hill in like taking up all the space, um, particularly on a three by three or a giant forest. You know, when, when we play, we tend to have you know a scattering of trees rather than a a forest base with a whole bunch of trees on it so we just tend to spread it around a little bit more so as you say it's it's really good for scatter terrain and aren't there some good scatter terrain providers out there i mean there's terrain crate obviously from mantic but god you can get some good stuff just around anyway obviously i'll take a table of terrain that's for kings of war four by four by six and i'll try to cram as much of it into a three by three that i can from my perspective the more terrain you have the better it just makes the game that much more narrative oh i'm 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 ducked around a corner of a building and i'm poking around and i'm just trying to see who's out there yeah and what what a skirmish game kind of feels like it should feel like right um and i also think and we'll talk about later is that shooting is reasonably powerful so it helps to power that down a little bit if you have plenty of terrain this is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. Okay, so we, now we might have a look at the the neutral uh, neutrals of Vanguard and the neutral points around Vanguard. So the first one being it, it is a more complex game than Kings of War, and we will be discussing the mechanics in a little bit. I don't think personally that it's overly complex. I think the the book could have probably done a better job of uh, of laying out the rules to make it look less complex. But overall, that's going to dissuade some Kings of War players. But on the opposite hand, it may attract some king, some folks that don't enjoy the the really streamlined aspect of, of Kings of War. So I, I don't necessarily think it's certainly not a negative for me. I think it's just it's different. Some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, right? Like, you know, and, and, and neither one is right. It's, it's what's right for you. And so it's the same conversation we had, those people that like AOS and those people that like Kings of War. They're different games, <laughs> and and that's okay. There's a game for everybody, and everybody for a game. They can they can cohabitate. I mean, they do live both in the world of Panathor, uh, and so I think there's there's enough space there to have a different game. I agree, and and I think particularly if you are playing it down the club right, and you don't plan to play it as a tournament game, is it is a narrative game designed for a fun time. Let's get into some of the negatives, and and we said this in the preface. We're obviously Kings of War players. You know, when we're making these comments, it's we're comparing it to Kings of War, right? Which is not a fair comparison. We're biased. <laughs> we admit it. So some of these, you're just going to go, well, I don't care about that. And that's fine. But, you know, and, and also I should mention, some of these are general criticisms that we hear of Vanguard out there on, on Facebook, for example. And the first one is the most common one, right? Vanguard is not an intro to, to the Kings of War rule set. Matt, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, we've had some discussions about this with the with the rest of the countercharge crew, and I guess one of the things was is it was why I think this is a negative is that it was it's kind of what it was sold at, and I think I think Mantic need to reframe that a little bit. It is not Kings of War light, so I don't necessarily think it being an intro into uh, not it not being an intro into the Kings of War rule set is a negative as such but for some people it will be uh so i don't think they've necessarily delivered on what they said they they were going to i think it needs to be looked at it as a completely different game would you agree with that 100 percent. and if you want to intro to kings of war 
play Kings of War at 500 points. Yeah. The next one that we hear is that there is a lot of tokens. Okay, yes, there is a lot of tokens. Sometimes there's so many tokens on the table, it can distract from the visual impact of the game. I don't know what else you can do because you're trying to show wounds, be knocked down, or I'm fatigued, or I'm activated. You got to document that somewhere. Modern gaming, it's all about the tokens, you know? I'm, I'm sure people have seen fancy flight games. Yeah, I mean, there's an excess of tokens there, right? And to me, like, I, I can see... I can see why that annoys some people, but for me, the vast majority of the tokens are just tracking what's going on. I mean, we have that in Kings of War, the little sewing things or whatever to mark your wounds. Some people like to throw tokens down to mark what shot or what needs a nerve test. You know, the vast majority of the tokens are just tracking what's happened in the game. So absolutely, convenience is is the thing that you say there. And while it can be visually impactful, I don't think they're overly wieldy. You mentioned you can put a lot of these on the card. I think you don't have to put it on the table, right? You can put it off the table as long as your opponent can see it and, and, and have that information ahead of them. The next one is weird because we also mentioned this is a positive. Well, it's, it's the exploding eight mechanic because... You know, what we said before is it, it's it's so crazy sometimes that it makes for a narrative cinematic experience. Well, the other thing it does is it's so swingy, it makes the game less deterministic, right? Like, you can't go into a combat and really know how it's going to go. There's no math hammer here. No, no. And I think that's a particular negative for Kings of War players, right? A lot of Kings of War players like Kings of War because it is more deterministic. You know, you can do relatively accurate predictions of how things are going to go, but honestly, dice are swingy anyway. So I think it stands out a little bit more because you're generally rolling lower numbers of dice. But once again, I think it's often skewed because um, skewed because when it does happen, it happens a crazy amount, which, you know, I just sit there and I just have to I have to laugh because I'm there playing the game for fun. Those are the moments that you leave the table and everybody remembers. Oh, in the game I had yesterday, I punched, I had three elven archers who had all the bonuses in the world. So I got off 15 shots at this big, a large abyssal dude. I can't remember what the large guys are called. Saved every single one of them. Because of because of the exploding eights mechanic, it was crazy. You know, the exploding eight mechanic is one of those things that some players are going to love it, some players are going to hate it. And honestly, if if you don't like it, it will unfortunately taint taint Vanguard for you. Because I mean, it is integral to to, to the, the Vanguard experience. Yeah, it's it's really one of those you you if if you don't like it, you won't play Vanguard, right? It 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 really is a it's an in or out rule for you. Uh, the next few are really just a result of we don't have a lot of mileage with Vanguard. I think, you know, argue that, you know, we were talking about balance earlier. There are some factions that have some internal balance issues. There are auto includes. If you really want to be that guy or that girl, you could min max and power game some stuff. Really, I think over time it will get better. They will slowly fix things. Right now, it is what it is. When you see certain factions, you're going to see very similar builds. And, and that's not dissimilar from Kings of War, right? No, exactly. And actually, something that just occurred to me, Rob, is that this probably comes back with the kind of the too many factions thing uh, in terms of a negative. Because Vanguard is not a tournament game, so it must be incredibly hard to gather the data without just the playtesters doing a phenomenal amount of work to balance things out because you're not getting the 
oh, we played, you know, there were 50 tournaments in the world this year and this is what happened at all of them and here's all the lists. They're not getting that. So they've basically got to rely on the feedback from their playtesters and uh, Facebook, I guess, and their rules committee. So it, it's got to be really hard. Take into account Kings of War is a much bigger community. Vanguard's Absolutely. much smaller. There's like less people playing the game too. So, and there's only so many games Andrew Sharp can play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of those balance issues, one of the other things that I think that leads into is that shooting in my few games has been very powerful so there are there are bonuses for um there's bonuses for having a clear shot there's bonuses for if you're standing at a significant height over your your opponent uh and and it can end up being uh, quite powerful particularly something like elves if you do a group shoot maneuver then you get bonuses for the other models in the in the group in the group shoot so i think that probably needs a little bit of a look playing trident realms I, i'll be i'm one of the worst offenders right because you know when you have factions where you've got two different kinds of shooters where i've got river guard and naiad heart piercers so i potentially could take 10 <laughs> shooters right yeah. like and then you, you mentioned the group actions. some of these group actions they get more dice or they get piercing it's ah it, it you know that it comes back to make sure you're playing with lots of terrain that does help um but also don't be a dick <laughs> you know i mean at the end of the day don't be a dick i did it once i had a lot of shooting and i decimated my my, my the, the person i was playing and i felt terrible about it was, with the way it works and the fatigue and stuff you can pump out a lot of shots so shooting shooting is uh is is very powerful and th- we'll talk about some improvements to the game and that's one area i think we could probably uh fix a few things ian kane does have a question that does have some relevance to what we were talking we were going to talk about you know he asked how do you feel about scenario balance some like capture the giant are fun and chaotic but the attack versus defense ones like Light the Beacon seem to give the defender a massive advantage. I'm going mostly off the, the, the 12 scenarios in the, 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 the main rulebook because that's the, most of the ones I've played. I've only played a few of the ones in the Ice and Iron. There are scenario balance issues. Uh, and, and, and if you need more proof, they've actually addressed some of them in, in, in the, the FAQ. You know, just generally, factions with lots of speed have an advantage in some scenarios, right? Like, if I'm trying to go get the Dragon's Egg and my dudes run just take naiads and they run six i can run 12 inches i can get there pretty quick if i'm trying to capture some plans and i have scouts <laughs> scouts right now only have to stay four inches away so literally like that's a first turn i've got it and i'm running away there is some scenario balance issues and and one of the things that ian brings up that, that i'm wondering get your feedback on is i'm wondering if feel like the scenarios that are less deterministic like capture the giant are more balanced air quote you know, more balanced than the ones that are more deterministic. So it captures the giant for those that know. You got a giant in the middle of the table, and he just randomly walks around. You you really don't know where he's going to go. If he hits you, he hits you. In that scenario, I mean, movement, speed, that that's good because you can get away from him. But the reality is, if he's got your number, he's got your number, right? Like, there's nothing you can really do about it. If he walks into your battle line and thumps you, then he thumps you. When you don't have those third-party elements, and it's really like, he mentions light the beacon, you're working across the table to, to light a beacon. I do think there's some rock, paper, scissors type situation where certain factions are better at some scenarios on the defense or the offensive side. Yeah, and I think those are things that more games need to be played so that they can work them out. And we've got some suggestions that, w- that we'll talk about n- n- near the end here. Matt, what do you think about scenario balance? I totally agree with that, actually. I think that it's actually the 
the more deterministic ones that are probably a bit of a problem. Although you do have like capture the bard. Yes, he moves random amounts of movement, but essentially he's going in a straight line. So it's still right. reasonably predictable. Um, but there is that hint of unpredictability. And I, I, I can't remember what the last thing is. He can have a negative effect on you, but not the same as capture the giant. So I, I think overall, I, I totally agree with all you've said. Those, those things with scouts and 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 more movement at the moment, I think have more of an advantage, which actually, to be honest, they kind of do in Kings of War anyway. You know, Kings of War still speed is king. Uh, so, but, and, and there is ways to make up for it, but I think it just shows up probably a little bit more in Vanguard. This is Nicholas Lee, the greatest Empire of Dust player in Southeast Asia, and you're listening to Countercharge. So on that, let's move into the mechanics of the game. Uh, so for me, the mechanics feel, I already mentioned at the start of the show, very akin to Lord of the Rings in terms of the knockdown mechanic, which is the prone mechanic in Lord of the Rings. And I think that's a really fr- fun game. And I also think there's a little bit more of a translation over to the Kings of War rules than what some people recognise, which I'll talk about later. But essentially, uh, actions are broken into short and long actions, just like many skir- skirmish games. And you've got you've got a bunch of actions that are va- available depending on your uh, unit type. Uh, and there's also some interesting group actions. And the most important thing that differs to some games is that you have alternating activations. So uh, you have you choose one one model to move, and then your opponent will choose another. Did you have anything you wanted to comment on those first points, Rob? I mean, I love alternating activations. I think it's great. The group actions and all the different things that you can do with your long and short actions they're interesting. There's lots of choice there. And I think that's the key to a narrative skirmish game. Absolutely. And and what we'll talk about too is also, and on that, you can use power dice to influence your actions. So one of the big differences for Vanguard is that you, you use these at the start of the round, both players roll their power dice, which every every player gets three, and then you get bonus dice based on your uh, model abilities. And these power dice, uh, there's three different colors and they have varying amounts of uh, power that you can attract based on the color of the dice. And so that will be your power dice to use through the entirety of your turn. And you can use that to either trigger special abilities of your faction, to infl- to add extra dice rolls to attacks or to defense, or to do things like trigger group activation. So you've got to think at the start, oh, what am I reasonably going to do with this? Where am I going to use my power dice to get maximum benefit out of it? And what do I need to keep in reserve to counter the opponent. So already there's a layer of complexity there that you don't have in Kings, which I actually love. Power dice is an interesting mechanic because best laid plans, right? Like you you have it all set up and then you don't you don't roll enough power dice and that's it. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Power dice, you need them. <laughs> You've got to do these special abilities. You need the power dice. You know, it gets back to a little bit the balance thing, right? There there are some factions that I would call are power dice rich <laughs> and then there's the power dice poor right like and and it, you know it is what it is yeah which is probably something that does need to be looked at because it does potentially have a big effect on the game right just like the, the exploding eights it adds another swing to this which further moves it less deterministic right because you can't predict how many <laughs> how many power dice you're gonna get i mean you can you can math it out you you know you got how many red white and blue dice you've got and yeah absolutely Absolutely. And so that's that's important to know. The power dice are done first. So both players do it at the same time, and then you start your alternating activations uh, based on the person who 
finishes deploying first goes first. That's correct, isn't it? And then the person who finishes activating first in subsequent rounds will get first turn in the next round. And I love the fact you can use fatigue and group activations to speed through a turn if you want. Absolutely. So you could go, it's going to be really important for me to get for, to get first activation next turn. So I'm going to use more power dice to do more group activations and get through this turn more quickly. Yeah, and I screwed that up. It's actually a power dice to do an extra activation, not a fatigue. Well, while we're talking about fatigue, this is probably the one thing that I love the most <laughs> of uh, in the mechanics because fatigue is the ultimate wimpy rule. I will gladly play you tomorrow for a hamburger today, right? Like you can you can fatigue yourself to give yourself a, an extra short action now at the expense of possibly your next turn. I love it. It's a risk and reward type thing. What do you what do you think about the fatigue? Yeah, I I quite like the mechanic. It probably plays into the power dice mechanic though, because if you're rich in power dice, you can just clear your fatigue at the end of the um, at the end of the turn, which is something. I mean, it's something we won't really go into that much. But so I think there's you've got you've got a good way of negating that mechanic. I don't know whether you should be allowed to do that or not. Do you know what I mean? I, I wonder if they should remove the being able to clear it with the power dice so that if you do it, you've burnt yourself and you're going to stay burnt. If you actually pay in the penalty next time of only yeah, – the next yeah. turn you only have one short action. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I say, otherwise those power dice rich. Uh, sure. So we might add that to improvement. So that, that could be something that they look at because if you if I have a, a really rich power dice turn, I can just save some, fatigue everyone, have a really – badass turn and then clear it all off at the end and i'm fine for next and, and if they're shooters that's even better right <laughs> even better, absolutely. yeah because you need to get another another volley let's talk about what i'm what i'm calling the, the wonky mechanics these are the mechanics i don't like it's a short list i'm sure i could add more but these are just the ones that popped out and i'm sure you probably have some but the first mechanic that i that i absolutely hate and we'll have more just we'll have lots of discussion on this it's called down but not out Mainline troops are either warriors or grunts. And the grunts are, hey, they're the disposable dudes, right? They're like, oh, you're you're dead. Just throw them to the fodder. But the warriors are a little bit tougher. And what happens is when you get to zero wounds or less, which which <laughs> hard to wrap my my, my 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 mind around negative wounds, but okay. But if you <laughs> if your warrior, you know, gets to zero or less wounds, they take a nerve test. This modified by the number of wounds you have or don't have. Um, and if you pass that nerve test... You're, down, you're, you're knocked over, which has counts against you, but you're also fatigued. But you still have one wound remaining. What this can lead to is I knock you down, you stand back up. I knock you down, I stand back And I never kill the damn model. Yeah. At some point, you got to die. So we'll talk about some some possible improvements, but maybe, maybe speak a little bit to down but not out. Yeah, that that's surprised me a bit as well although i was familiar with it because there, there's something similar in lord of the rings where that can happen over and over again uh like you said we'll talk about improvements so it's just i think getting i don't mind the rule at first glance but then if you get into that over and over again it, it just becomes it comes a bit weighty you know and it comes it becomes a bit frustrating and it's the first time it's cinematic after that not so much for me, it doesn't add value. And also, if you're dealing with models that have special rules like Iron Resolve or Parry, 
well, then they're just that much harder to kill. So that's the first one. The second one is associated with down but not out, but it's called back from the grave. Grunts don't typically get the down but not out rule. They just, if, when they hit zero wounds, they die. But if you're an undead, all your models, including grunts, when they're within six inches of a command model, auto pass the nerve test and just automatically get knocked down. And now the cheap six point models are super hard to kill. Yeah, I guess it's silly in one way and a little bit thematic in another with undead, right? But yeah, the, the fact that it can keep going on and on is is and and maybe that would be addressed by you know one of the suggestions i had for improvements later but yeah i I think the fact that it can happen over and over again really makes it a very frustrating rule final one i'm going to talk about you know is is sort of a general thing when you're knocked down you shouldn't have access to all these crazy rules (laughs) like you're on the ground you're wounded you're bleeding out how am i parrying like with my shield or my buckler it doesn't make any sense that take takes me out of the immersion right it pulls me out of it i agree with that to an extent i i I like being able to get a save when you're on the ground you know it's that whole cinematic moment where someone does hold up their shield to block that to block that sword thrust when you're lying on the ground when you're on your back right um but it shouldn't be, as you say, access to everything. I think there should be more negatives for being knocked down. It, 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 uh, that's that's what I feel. Like I think you should have access to some things and maybe some sort of parry roll or armor roll, but you should lose a lot more. There's lots of other rules I could mention that I just don't have a lot of experience with. You know, playing Empire of Dust, they've got all kinds of crazy wonky rules. I just think over time, those faction-specific rules will get streamlined they'll get balanced they'll get fixed and they'll make for a better game so here are some of the things that we think would improve the game i just think if you just made all the shooters grunts that helps right there right because if they're if they're grunts and not warriors when you do get into close combat with that shooter and you drop them to zero they're dead (laughs) that's the end of it (laughs) they don't (laughs) they don't get back up and typically they should be weaker right they're often you know if shooters will wear less armor things like that maybe it's different for ogres but i i I agree with that like i I don't see a reason why they couldn't be grunts there are some shooters that are grunts but i'm just thinking like naiad heart piercers are not they're warriors so um the, the the second thing is really when we talk about scenarios with objectives and you have scouts in one of the warbands four inches is way too close <laughs> two suggestions one is you know make them start eight inches away from objectives and then if you have a scenario where you're going and you're searching through something or you're picking something up just say you can't do it till turn two it's disheartening for my opponent when when my trident realms run really fast grab the objective and then they're out and then that's the whole game right is you know i i'm running <laughs> and you're chasing and if you can't catch me then then i win or the kings of war mechanic where maybe there's negatives for carrying the objective you know that could be another option but but like when you're speed six it's not a lot is it on the small board like you if you're playing against someone like dwarves for for me if, if you got objective scenarios with scouts you know make them start eight inches away and maybe eight inches is not the right answer maybe it's 12 i don't know the reality is you're on a 36 inch board there's only some places so many places you can go for things like find the plans where you're, you're going and you're digging through the dead spy you know just so you can't do it until turn two that gives the the, the opponents on the back foot at least a turn to try to stop it i would agree I, I i don't see and i don't think that would break anything in the game just basically everything's you, you, you can't start it till turn two you know so that first turn is really about getting your position ready 
uh, for that next turn. Well, let's talk about down but not out. I have a lot of thoughts here. <laughs> the first, the first thing I would do is I would make standing up a long action because if you if you pass the nerve test and you're down but not out, you're fatigued, which means even if you have an activated, you only get a short action, which means you're not standing back up on the same turn. Yeah. I- I agree. So I, I think so. And then so I think one of the other ways you could fix it is essentially make it only able to happen once. So you can get knocked down and be down, but not out once, but maybe not again. And I think you suggested the way you do it is that you're essentially downgraded to a grunt. Grunts don't get access to the rule, right? So if you're a warrior and you successfully pass down, but not out, you're now officially a grunt and you don't get access to it anymore. The back from the grave, you know, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to be cinematic. Oh, that you killed this ethereal thing and it fell over, but it's reanimated back up. All you really have to do is just give them the rule. Don't auto pass the test. Just say, okay, you're back from the grave. Take your nerve test like any other warrior. I think it's already a pretty good perk that you're, that you're, you're a grunt and you're not just auto-dying when you hit zero wounds. And I think if you just made him take the nerve test, which agreed, I, which I understand is difficult because I think these grunts probably have higher nerve, right? But still, you already got the advantage of you didn't auto-die. You at least have a chance. And eight always passes. So that that's that's how I would handle that. Um, and then like things like parry, I just wouldn't let you do it if you're on the ground. <laughs> so parry, for those who don't know... I, you can make me re-roll a hit. And the, the beauty is you can pick the dice that you want them to re-roll. So if I roll an eight, you can make me re-roll the eight, right? And theoretically not explode the second time, right? Like I wouldn't necessarily maybe roll another eight. You're still getting your normal armor saves. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you should lose more when, you, when you're down. You know, that, a lot of these special rules you, you shouldn't be able to access when you're when you're down on the ground. Well, that's kind of our initial thoughts on Vanguard. Again, take it all with a grain of salt. We've said it in the beginning. I'll say it again. We're biased. We're Kings of War players. It's an interesting position for Vanguard to be in. You know, it's it's tough. It's a delicate balance act to evolve the rules to attract some more of the Kings of War players without disfranchising the you know the existing the player base. Well, it is hard, and I'm always fascinated with the psychology of things, right? So I think you need to, if you're going to try Vanguard, you need to go in going, I'm going to play this new game in a world I know. And that's how you should look at it. You shouldn't be thinking, I'm going to go in and see how this can, you know, tie into my Kings of War games. I think you need to go in and go, I'm going to give this new game a go like any new game, and I'm going to try and not go in with any preconceived ideas on what it should and shouldn't do, and let's just see how it plays. We would be remiss if we didn't share a couple cool um, tools with you that, and there's links in the show notes for this. The first one, if you're playing Vanguard and, and you do like it, a really good thing you can invest in is War Chess Creations. It's an Etsy store. They make an MDF border that makes the three by three size frame, which is great because if you have a full size gaming table with a fat mat, for example, you drop this thing out and now you got your three by three space. But the other cool thing is if optionally he will burn in the rules to the game on four sides. So I look at it all the time. Oh, here's my list of act. Here's my potential activations. Here's my group activations. There's a spot in there that says if zero wounds do the following. So it's great. It really, um, it, it at least helped me kind of really helped me learn the rules and it's a great reference i've ordered mine I, I i think that could just be just about the best widget of all time it's a very complex game and you do you do need the assistance right and yes you could go into the rule book for all of this but he's laid it out in a logical manner uh almost like a reference page <laughs> right there on the on the on the edge and so yeah i i we look at it all the time the second thing is you know you you need tokens right 
And yes, you can buy the Mantic tokens if you buy the rulebook. I think they come bundled. But like, you just need tokens for activation, fatigue. Those are the two key ones. If you wanted Brace or Knockdown, you can. But like, if you just look on Etsy, there's all these companies like in Croatia and Poland. Like, I think I bought some just simple red sword acrylic tokens, like $3 for 20 of them, right? And so they're bigger. They're a little bit easier. I don't know if you've seen the official Vanguard tokens, but they're kind of small. And so these are just a little bit easier to handle and to to, to, to manipulate and to, you know, if I put those on my card, the person could see across. Oh, yeah, he's he's been activated. He's got the big sword there. So just I'll put the link in the show notes there. But do you have any widgets that you've come up with yet so far for Vanguard? No, mostly I've looked up at, at looked at War Chest. Uh, I don't think some of the measuring sticks and things that you might use in Kings of War is as useful here because you want to kind of you want bendy. You want your tape measure for this, don't you? Because you're kind of tracking a, a path rather than straight lines. So I think overall, some of those tokens and, and the things like the border are the best thing you can get. So on that, why don't we move into our listener questions and comments, Rob? Uh, we've left out a few that are, are just basically comments, and we've kept primarily questions. But the first one is from Kevin McCusker, uh, who mentions, there's an odd obsession with individuals behaving like regiments with flanks and turning rules, which is an odd and unnecessary thing in a skirmish game, he thinks. Uh, what do you reckon about that, Rob? I think it's a, a symptom of trying to align Vanguard with, with Kings of War, right? I think trying to get that feel for square bases, regimental movement, the way, uh, you know, the turning and the pivoting and all that stuff and flanks and rears. And, you know, in the end, I think it, Vanguard would be better without a lot of that. <laughs> like like every other skirmish game. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think there is a need for the... So there's no flanks is there, but there's certainly fronts and rears. And I just wonder if that is completely unnecessary. And like you said, originally when it was being sold as, as Kings of War, light or a good, good um, movement into Kings of War, that some of this stuff was probably there to make you feel that flavour. And some people say it's not there at all. But interestingly, I think that mechanically, with a bit of abstraction, there are Kings of War... Raw, kings of war real type mechanics in there for example i think about the short action as being only able to move and pivot and still do an action whereas the long actions are more like you're moving at the double and then not being able to do things uh the height style mechanic is there in a way the nerve mechanics there but it's modified by rules um wounds rather than rules so in kings of war it's modified by brutal or dread but in Vanguard, it's it's um, modified by the amount of damage you've done. But I think in the end, it's a totally different game. And so probably, you know, some of this stuff that tried to hook into Kings of War probably just needs to go and uh, just let it stand alone as its own game and just concentrate on the models getting people into the game with a, a reasonably good rule set that will only improve over time. So Paige Neo has our first question. He asks, how has Ice and Iron changed the game? It gives you more scenarios. We're still 50 games in, 40 games in. We're still using the main rulebook stuff. I mean. Yeah, honestly, I, I bought Ice and Iron a long time ago. I've got the digital version. Haven't even read it. It is important, though, if you're if you're getting into, into Vanguard, make sure you look at the FAQ because the FAQ does change quite a bit. Like just for an example, Burn the Stores, which is one of the scenarios where you're basically going and you're trying to light a, light a fire to a, a, like a, like a farmhouse. In the rulebook, it says it's a long action to start that fire. Or even for Light the Beacon. It's a long action, but now in the FAQ, it's a short action. So definitely, definitely, definitely go through the uh, the FAQ because it, there is, like I said, this is a game that is, that, that's evolving. And uh, next up, we have 
Erasmus Berger. If you had to, what would you take out of the game to simplify it? What would you start with, Rob? Yeah, for me, it's down but not out, right? I think it's unnecessary, and it ends up potentially giving you unlimited wombs, and it just makes the game long and it just pisses me off right like look if you want your model to be more resilient just give more wounds yep and i I agree with that and uh although i probably just wouldn't i wouldn't remove it completely i would i would probably just limit it like we talked about um with the turning them into grunts or or one use only or something like that but again it makes more access to power dice more game breaking so i'd prefer to see power dice used elsewhere and maybe not able to use be used to uh clear the fatigue and things associated with that so my my weekly sparring partner, Matt Wiseman, asks, will there be more Warband releases coming up? Not all factions have a Warband or expansion at this time. Recently, you know, we know a Ratkin Warband's coming out. Um, Salamanders are on the menu as well. I, I think, I'm Matt, I don't know if you know any more than I do, but I, I think... I think at some point all the official Mantic Warbands will have a starter box. Yeah, I mean, my feeling is is that any new army, even if it's Kings of War, if they're producing new models, will get a Vanguard release is what is most likely. Uh, and there will be, we saw, I think it was Rob Berman, tease a couple of close-up shots of a couple of things on Kings of War Fanatics this week, and uh, I do know a little bit more there. So there may be some different stuff coming to Vanguard based on that. But I can't confirm that it'll definitely be coming to Vanguard, but I'd imagine that would be the case. There's no reason not to. This is countercharge. Wild speculations are bag, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, 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 I'd imagine that basically anything Mantic releases from now on will get a will get a Vanguard, bit, bit, a bit of Vanguard love. Matt had a follow-up question, you know, uh, will there be a review to help balance out armies, powers and abilities? And I feel bad for Matt. Because he plays Abyssal Dwarves a lot. And I play Trident Realms a lot. We've probably played 30 times, 25 times. And that's just a bad matchup. You got an army that moves four and an army that moves six. Don't you just tell him to get good, Rob? No, I told him to get a different army and he got forces of nature. <laughs> so, you know, no, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it gets back to that it is a narrative game and that. There is a there is a little bit of rock paper scissors between some of the armies in certain scenarios. And I think though, looking at the FAQs and things though, there I don't think anyone can no- deny that they're they're trying to work out some of these balance issues. And and like I said, it must be hard because there'd be a scarcity of data, so they wouldn't want to change things too quickly. But I, I mean, it seems to me that they're working hard at it. Uh, next question is from Paige again. Uh, Paige says he demoed the game to a seasoned gamer and he found it to be flavorless number crunching. Would we agree that the mechanics is weighing the game down? Um, I'm just wondering if Paige actually had his calculator out at that game, Rob, and maybe that's what made him made <laughs> <laughs> like it was number crunching. Paige is an amazing Kings of War player. He is math hammering. Think Vanguard, if you try to do that, it's just going to make you nuts. You can't actually, with any real predictability, figure out what's going to happen. I would say... There are mechanics in the game that are unnecessary, and yes, you could argue weigh the game down from a from a timing standpoint or breaking the immersion. You know, I think the the flavor of the game comes from the factions. When I play Trident Realms, it feels like Trident Realms. They're they're real weak in terms of armor. They you get them in a combat, they die. But man, they can move, they can juke around, pick off some dudes. Dwarves, exact opposite. They're slow and sturdy. And very deterministic and just walk forward, but they can take a lot of punishment. I think the flavor is in in the faction. I, I totally disagree that it's flavorless. Um, I'm not sure. 
it, it could be in the factions they played. I mean, there's a lot of things that could contribute to that impression of uh, flavorlessness. But I think one of the benefits straight up of this game is a, is a, a, it's not designed for tournaments and potentially it's better off staying that way. Uh, and the the reality is, is Mandic is a company that needs to attract a wide spectrum of gamers. So so maybe some balance, balance issues are, are okay because there's plenty of popular games with uh, with balance issues and that are complicated, right? Blood Bowl. Yeah, yeah, but and, but you can look at it. Any any other round-based game is tends to be complicated, right? Yeah, I mean, Infinity. Yeah, you mentioned all the fantasy flight games, right? They're all special rule heavy, so they're complicated. You know, there's balance issues with all of them with whenever their new release comes out. So um, I think we probably, I mean, we're getting a little bit away from Paige's questions when he talked about the mechanics, but I, I don't think the mechanics is overly wieldy. I think that it could be presented better, but I, I it is more complex than Kings of War, but I still don't think it's it's that mechanically complex. I think a lot of people that, that find it distasteful, they're looking to get something else out of the game than, than the, the game is actually capable of delivering. Right? Like, like they don't want a complex scrimmage game. <laughs> they want something else, and you know, and and I guess that goes into his next question was, which is, uh, should Mantic take a page out of GW's book and look at what how Warcry is such a simple and elegant system and aim to beat it in version two? Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I but the, should they take a, a page out of GW's book? I'd absolutely say no. I, I think we're looking at Warcry is a diff- completely different game for a different type of player. Would you agree with that in the end, Rob? You know, if you think back, they had the choice to make a fantasy version of dead zone right like that's more along the that's more akin to Warcry, um and they chose not to do that and i'm sure there's lots of players that would love that idea yeah i mean i know people that play dead zone love dead zone yeah but again it's different players right horses for courses exactly yep um so we've got another question from erasmus do you enjoy the knockdown mechanic and wounds left well i think we've um and or would you rather have a nerve roll with accumulated wounds mechanics similar to Kings of War? Uh, well, I think you've made your position clear on that, haven't you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, if there was a way to work in the nerve mechanic from Kings of War into to, 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 uh, Vanguard, I'm not sure how you would do that. But, I mean, basically, that would make the game a little bit more deterministic. If, if, if wounds accumulated and it didn't just keep every time you pass the down but not out, didn't keep getting reset to one wound, right? Like if, it, if, it's, if the damage stayed on you, Eventually you die. Yeah. 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 Um, but I just don't know how, I don't know how you get that to work in, 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 in this existing rule set without like a major overhaul and potentially changing. Yeah. Do you reckon? I mean, I, I think it'd be easy to change the down and not out rule, just like they've changed things from long actions to short actions. It's a, it, to me, it like, yes, it would, there might be some unintended consequences, but I don't know if it's that big a change. You think like once you hit zero wounds, it's just like any other combat and we roll a test? Well, I think I think one of the other things, yeah, like you said, is, is maybe don't get rid of it. That's too big a change. But if you introduce a tweak, that can be done. Yeah. Uh, next question, Deezer Irons. How good are the Warband starters as entry points to the game? As a potential new player, this has been my biggest holdup in diving in. Probably have purchased five or six starters. They're amazing for a few reasons. Number one, they're inexpensive. I can speak to Trident Realms because that's one that I that, that I did buy. In that starter box, you get 10 Iads, hard plastic. You get two th- uh, two Resin Thule, uh, a Resin Thule Mythican, and a, unfortunately, metal <laughs> Nyad Centurion. What I found is you, you take the, 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 ten, the 10 Nyads, you build five melee versions and five shooting versions. For those that don't know, it's five max of any model type at 200 points. 
you can have five heart piercers and you can have five initiates, for example. And so, the, so then that gives you really good flexibility. And so then basically you have a commander, a spellcaster, two elite warriors in the Thule, because they hit on threes. And then you have the ability to mix in five melee and or five shooters into the mix. So out of the box, it's a really diverse pet. I mean, I played that starter box for a while. Uh, and then from there, you could add the booster box or you could add any of the, the specialist booster packs just to dial in flavor. Like if you want to go more, more Malay focused, you know, you might add a, a water elemental, which gives you some more beef and some regen. Maybe you add the placoderm, uh, who gives parry to other warriors within two inches, or you could go uh, more shooting. You could add another, you could add another uh, spellcaster and do some shenanigans with that. Well, I was going to say that too, Rob, is that like given it's a narrative game, you know, you just use the models that come in the box, right? And you see how they go uh, and they look like great value to me. It's only when you get down to individual models that it gets a little bit more expensive. So yeah, some of the individual resin sculpts and stuff, you know, might set you back, what, 14 bucks. What I suggest is if you're going to go the, the starter box route, buy a starter box, build the models, build them in a way that gives you maximum flexibility, play a bunch of games, figure out what you like with your faction special rules. What way do you want to take that? Next question is from Donnie, the honorary Australian crush. What's your take on using Vanguard Games campaign style to affect Kings of War scenarios? Have you guys tried that at all? No, not really. I mean, my my kind of, uh, my initial read of is that I wouldn't bother. This is the problem. Number one, there's not a, locally... There's not a ton of overlap between Vanguard players and Kings War players. <laughs> so, like, I, I I, and Matt Wiseman, who we mentioned one of his questions before, are, are the rare exception. Most of the other folks that play Vanguard with this, they don't play Kings of War. Most of the Kings of War players, they have Vanguard factions, but they never play. That's the first problem. The second problem is, I'm a good example. I don't have a Trident Realms uh, Kings of War army. Some people are using Vanguard as an opportunity to try something different from Kings of War. So in like a narrative weekend where you wanted to do Kings of War and Vanguard and Vanguard sets up, you could do it. But I think I think you just got to keep it simple, right? You know, it's sort of like good, neutral and evil. And, and you sort of like, OK, in the Vanguard scenarios, if you win it, then maybe you get extra points for the Kings of War battle. Maybe you get a free unit of scouts, you know, but uh, maybe, maybe like in one of the scenarios where you're, where you, you're trying to find the plans. If you, if you win and you find the plans, maybe your opponent in the Kings of War game has to set up like, instead of one unit on the first deployment, they got to set up three. I, I, I think there is, there is a way to do it. It's just really tough. And, it's tough because a lot of Vanguard players don't play Kings of War and a lot of Kings of War players don't play Vanguard. So to get them to, to, to overlap is difficult. Yep, I agree. Kyle Poole, why should I play Vanguard over other skirmish games? Well, it's the only skirmish game set in Panther. Where else can you use dinosaurs? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and like literally the, the main reason I play this is to diversify my Mantic games and I'm not a... You know, I'm not a sci-fi person generally, so I'm going to play their skirmish fantasy game. So, as you say, it's in the world of Panathor. You know, potentially you can do some mixed gaming, So, um, and the locals like it. So that's what I picked up. Uh, next is Chris Thomas. I'm a Kings of War player with plenty of minis painted up. What do I actually need to start playing Vanguard? Well, uh, do you want to go through that, Rob? I mean, we've kind of covered it, but may as well do it again. 
Uh, and you, so you need power dice, which are basically custom D6s with swords in three different colors. You need some D8s, probably eight to ten of them. And then ideally you'd have some kind of token or some way to track which units are activated, which ones are fatigued, which ones are knocked down. And, and, and you know, looking at that, that's 20 bucks. <laughs> it's not very much money. Yeah, it's not much money at all. You know, and and given that you've got the minis painted up, the, the, the barrier is super low for you, Chris. Uh, Jesse Driver, why does a game of Vanguard take so damn long? I feel like Dead Zone hits the sweet spot on ease of on ease of play and game length. If I'm going to play for 1.5 hours or more, I'd rather just play Kings of War. Well, my intro games where I've been diddling around with the rules have only taken me an hour. So I've, I've heard this a few times. So I'm not sure why it, why it's taking some people so long. Like, sure, when you're first getting into it, but maybe you just get need to give it more games to get it down. I mean, how long does yours take, Rob? Yeah, I mean hour and a half is probably pretty common. You know, it, yep. it depends on who you're playing, right? This game, because there is a, a level of complexity that you don't find like in Kings of War or Dead Zone, you can get into this analysis paralysis where my opponent will sit there and like, what do I want to do? Do I want to do this? Or I want, and, and they sort of think, outthink themselves, right? Um, so... You know, this this maybe maybe that's that would be a good thing is maybe we play on a clock that would be helpful. Um, but but really, you know, to his point, you know, it's obvious from his question he likes Dead Zone. Dead Zone, it's a simplified game, and, and I and I and I do wonder too, like fantasy versus sci-fi. You know, in sci-fi, a lot of your killing is going to be done pew pew pew, pew right? Like from across the table, I'm going to hit you with a mortar. Whereas in fantasy, most of the action is you got to get up in personal. And so it takes longer to, to resolve those combats. At, at the end of the day, why does it take a, you know, an hour and a half? It's, you know, when you're comparing to Dead Zone, because it's three times as complicated. You know, ultimately, he's right, though. You know, if, if Vanguard is uh, dragging on for you and you're not finding it fun, then yeah, play Kings of War. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different game. So some people will like the more complexity and some people won't. Uh, so Rusty Shacklefoot asks, infinite use of tokens, why? Um, and we kind of talked about this, and I said that some of them are optional and most of them are just tracking what you've done. So kind of I like tokens for that reason. So, again, I think it's it's up to, you know, do you want to use them or do you not? They're mostly tracking what's happened in the game. If you, like, compare it to Star Wars Legion, we don't have anything to complain about, right? Like, like yeah, there's, like, four or five. Well, I mean, there's, acti- there's activation, fatigue, knockdown, brace, Right, those are the four main ones, right? And then wounds, so five. There's not as many status effects that you're that you're that you're monitoring in this game. You don't have to use tokens at all. You you could put your cards in a in a sleeve and just use a wet erase marker to write the wounds. Yeah, the, the vast majority of, of models only have one token on them during a turn, right? Which is that you've activated them. If, you, if you're taking a mixed arms list, because your shooters won't be in combat until near the end, so you know it's not like you've got tokens strewn over the table where where it does get a little bit painful is when you really get your two melee uh forces and they're really bashing each out and you've got like scrums of like two and three it, sometimes it's hard to figure out and and that may be may that's maybe a good reason to put them on the card you know i i think if you understand what they're for which is to track you know a status or an activation or something like that. There's other ways to do it. Erasmus, gee, he's, he's hard on the questions today, isn't he? I love it. I mean, Steve tried to claim that he, it wasn't a real name, but it definitely is. Uh, how, how many of your games are decided by which models happen to run away after both warbands break? I, I was thinking about this question a lot today, and, I, and I'm trying to think, like, how many games did did both warbands break? I, I mean, I maybe a couple. Normally, in our games, if a warband breaks... 
That means they've taken heavy casualties. And by that point, they've already lost the scenario. They're already like depleted. I probably, you know, if, if it's my opponent, then I've already got the objective and my otters are running the other way with the with the objective. So what I, to answer his question, not very often. But I could see that if, if it was a really close match and like you're playing like the, uh, the Power Stones where you're trying to earn points by standing next to the, the you know, by basically, you know, holding the objectives and both warbands break and you're taking nerve tests to see who runs away yeah that could be something now one thing to note is if you're getting close to breaking get into combat because you don't take a test if you're you're in combat yeah and um it's interesting isn't it because you're aware of when you can break because it's pretty easy to work out so things tend to speed up at that point <laughs> you know you try and make yeah. sure it happens for your opponent first whereas you might be tr- you know you might be a little bit more tactically before that going oh these are the units i want to take off but when you get close to breaking you're like i just want to get him down too over over half is the break point yeah and they just run away don't they they just run backwards whereas there's some games where you die as soon as as soon as that happens and you could actually if there's more turns in the game you can still pass a nerve test on a subsequent turn and run them back into combat the other thing is if 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 you fail it and you're activating you could still spend a dice on another turn down the road in that same round and fatigue them (laughs) and then still give them another short action there's a lot of tactical play (laughs) to even when you're breaking Mm. yeah absolutely and our last question is from visibly riley as someone whose group lost interest in vanguard rather quickly what do you attribute to your longevity with the system to is it just that it's panathor skirmish or is there something mechanical or both this is mostly for you rob this question i mean for me it's just it scratches a different itch right like it's 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 not kings of war all that being said it's a newer game. There's still some things that, that drive me crazy that they will address and they'll make the game better over time. It's still a narrative. Like I, I go play the game and I don't really care if I win or lose, right? Like I'm just, just going to tell a story. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I'm, and I'm the same way, but actually that's how I play Kings as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why I think I'm not too worried about the, the, the as ba- worried about the balance issues in, like I'd be slightly more competitive in Kings, but in the end, uh, the the actual result of a game doesn't bother me. I'm there to roll dice. I, I do wonder, you know, a question to vis- Visibly Riley would be, you know, uh, do you think you lost interest because of the game's lack of determinism, like the, the wonkiness of some of the mechanics and or the dice? Is that what it was? Or is it, in his mind, maybe like it's overly complex? Sometimes you can you can kind of figure out, like, if you're going to like Vanguard based on the other games you like. Like, like if you like Infinity and you, you enjoy that, you're probably not fine vanguard too difficult yeah i think if your main staple is kings of war you're gonna have to play vanguard um, reasonably frequently to keep in with it so i think that's a problem i think you need to play quite a few games in quick succession to get the real feel of it and then it becomes much more simple it's not something that you can play your first game one month and then your second game the next month because you'll have pretty much forgotten everything by the time that comes around so i think you need to get a bunch of games under your belt which is more what you did the second time around isn't it rob you know you've got a bunch of games under your belt in quick quick succession and then you've kept playing regularly so um, I think it's one of those games you could fall out of love with because when you come back into it, if Kings of War is your main staple, it will feel like it's got that layer of complexity that you may or may not like. It's also important to know there's a there's a big distinction between Kings of War and Vanguard in the sense that Kings of War, all the special rules are kind of generic, right? Like they're in the book and different units have them. 
but in Vanguard, there's a lot of complexity and flavor, if you will, for each faction independent of other factions. Like the Trident Realms have special rules for Trident Realms. You know, each warband has a warband ability. They have special warband specific spells. I guess what I'm saying is it does feel like sometimes you're you're constantly learning. <laughs> to me, that's kind of the fun. We've started to like dabble like, okay, this, I just started playing Kingdoms of Men. So let's explore the Kingdoms of Men faction. It plays differently. I mentioned Trident Realms. Uh, they're, they're, they have not good armor, but they're very fast. Um, they, they, they do pack an okay punch, but they, they don't take a counter punch, right? And they have lots of good shooting, but they have lots of speed. Kingdoms of Men, you know, it's sort of like a, a meat shield, right? Like I can just throw a meat shield at you. You're going to kill all my dudes. My goal is to tie you up while my little secret guy is grabbing the objective and running away. Like, yeah. just throw bodies at it. It's 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 it, and it's and it's it's interesting because it's a completely different play style. And so, by just changing the faction, the game is almost entirely different to the way you would approach the different scenarios. Now, different factions have different advantages in different scenarios, right? So, and and there's there are balance issues. That, that will be addressed over time. But to maybe back circling back to what Revisited Wireless says, how do, how do I stay into the game? Mix it up. Play different factions. And more importantly, play against different different factions. Because if it's always Trident Realms against Abyssal Dwarves, my buddy Matt, we played a lot of. And I, at the end, it was getting stale, right? Like, it was like, okay, guy, we already know how this game's... We already, we've been to this dance. We know what's going to happen here. Yeah, and again, that's the benefit of low model count, right? So the 200-point game I had yesterday, we each only had nine models. Yeah. You know, so... You know, to get to get something, you can put a more elite. You know, go for warriors rather than grunts, things that go for a more elite army. And yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're putting less than ten models on a table. So particularly if you're a Kings of War player, I'm sure there's plenty of players that have more than ten models free from from multiple army builds. You know, one gripe that I that I totally didn't bring up when we were chatting. You know, I I hate the cavalry rules. <laughs> like, I, cavalry are just like I I shouldn't have to take cavalry, right? Like, but you almost feel compelled because they're they are so damn good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you just put hills all over the table, Rob, or buildings. To be fair, you know, if you're on a cavalry, then you can't climb, right? So yeah. like, yeah, you do need to have some vertical terrain, maybe. But like, you know. It just, uh, we have a guy locally, our star, star owner, who was playing League of Rodier basically like three nights on horseback and just run roughshod over people. Yeah. And it was like, oh, dude. <laughs> so have you got any shout outs you want to give Rob as we wind up tonight? I mentioned his name a few times, Matt Wiseman. Me and him, we play, uh, we play so much Kings of War. Blood Bowl, all the games, but tons of Vanguard all of the time. And it's always nice when you go to your local establishment. So big shout out to Matt for always being every Wednesday night, every Saturday, you know, he's there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to shout out particularly my mate Nick, who has been teaching me the game. Uh, he's one of the playtesters for Vanguard and he's kindly, you know, I've, I'll just say on the day, oh, I feel like a van- game of Vanguard, are you up? And he'll say yes. And that's when I tell him, can you build the warbands and everything? <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll, I'll get the eyes roll back and he says, like, yeah, yes, I can. And so he turns up with everything for me and I just have to turn up in the space. So, um, you know, I've really enjoyed that. But now I'm going to be starting to build my own. And uh, so big shout out to him. Uh, so as we start to wrap up there dad you know it's been good to catch up have you got any uh closing thoughts you'd like to you'd like to say i mean uh, f- for me personally i think i'd i'd encourage people to give vanguard a go i think though 
go into it with a mind that it's a new game. Yes, there's going to be some bugs in it because it's the first edition of a new game and just play with that. Like every rule set has rules that you won't like. Um, and just think of it. Try and get into the flavor of your army. Try it out. And if you haven't played it in a while, especially if you haven't played it since the FAQ came out, try it. The FAQ really has made some uh, significant improvements to the game. And I expect Andrew and company, they'll continue to evolve this game. It's going to be, you know, Dead Zone wasn't great from <laughs> from the beginning, right? Like, it was, it was good, but it wasn't great. Kings of War... Hey, I remember first edition. It sucked. Well, I think that's really important though there, Rob, isn't it? And we probably should say that in wrapping up. If you want the game to change, provide reasoned feedback to the rules committee or to Mantic. You know, one thing we know about Mantic is that they're open open to listening to the community. Like you say, Kings of War first edition sucked. And there's plenty of people who were involved with that that still get a lot of credit for Kings of War who really, actually the changes have all been down to the RC and the playtesters, right? It's not the those original game designers. They they gave, you know, the structure, but the 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 meat and the, you know, has, has come from the community and from the rules committee. So... Uh, I think that's going to be the same for Vanguard. So provide reasoned feedback, not just your emotional outburst of how you got wiped because something was too too hard. Um, and the game will change. It'll evolve. Okay. Well, that might do us for tonight, Rob. And until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 